We are in a sermon series leading up to Christmas time on fasting. Fasting is uh, quite a subject that you don't talk a lot about in church, or at least I haven't heard talked about a lot of church, even though it's talked about quite a bit in the Bible. So fasting is not eating food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. And it's encouraged in the Bible. We have not done a lot of of that or talked about it a lot, and so we're taking a few weeks to talk about what is fasting and why would you fast. So the first week when we talked about fasting, we talked about sometimes you fast because there's a crisis. And there's lots of stories about this, like this in the Bible, probably because they make a lot better story. Like the whole nation fasted and then something different happened the next day. That's a lot better story than they fasted once a week. You know, you just didn't hear a lot about those kind of stories. But this is, this is groups of people saying, we are stuck, we need God, we, we are crying out to him, and then things shift. Now, some of you may not have been here. Um, some of you do remember that uh, there was a period of time when the VA hospital seemingly is held hostage to the federal government. Like, ever since I moved here 11 years ago, I heard it right from the get-go. Like nothing will ever, it's, they're never going to do anything about that. A group of us at this church, at a certain point, set aside time to pray and fast for that property, specifically that it would be set free from the federal government. And I remember in the midst of that, we were doing that, somebody who's been a lifelong person here in Knoxville just looked at me, pointed to me in the chest and said, it will never happen. And within a few months after that, the city bought the land for $1. The county and city worked together, which doesn't happen in a lot of communities very often to this degree, where the county would fund taking out all the buildings and all of that would happen. And so now 20% of the footprint of the city of Knoxville is being prepared to be developed in a different way. Now, mostly that had to do with people who worked really hard and worked together and did all kinds of things. That mostly it has nothing to do, it's with the people that did that. But what if there was a spiritual hold over the property, over this town, and when a group of people fast and pray, there's a breakthrough in the spiritual realm, and then the people that are working so hard to make it happen, now, now they can go. Now it can happen. That's an example, like we find examples of the, of the, in the Bible, of a community of people fasting for a specific purpose because it's stuck. It's bad. We need help beyond ourselves. And then God shows up. Now, last week, we talked about fasting for the purpose of having more power and authority in ministry. More power and authority in ministry. There's a story that we aren't going to get to, um, but quickly, Jesus is He has just ministered to a Samaritan woman at the well. She is going back to the community to tell people she thinks she found the Messiah. Jesus' disciples came back from getting food because they hadn't eaten in a long time, and they are urging him, you got to eat. you got to eat. And Jesus' response is, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. I mean, do you have a Twinkie in his pocket? What are they, what's he talking about? They're, that's literally, they're like, did he find food? That's, the, that's what the Bible says there. Have a discussion. And he says, my food is to do the will of, of the Father who sent me. And so in the midst of doing ministry, this town that was considered unreachable 
godless by the Jewish people because they're Samaritans. This town had all kinds of people come to faith in it, and Jesus in the midst of it is saying, I'm going to use resources that go beyond physical resources to reach these people. I'm not going to eat as we're going into it. So that's an example of fasting for spiritual power. Now, before we go on with today's uh, focus, I'm trying to review some of the practicalities of fasting since we, we don't talk about it a lot. One thing I, w- I would say is that not everybody can fast. You just need, it just need to be because of health reasons, because of eating disorders, because of stage of life. If you're young, like you're still growing, then probably fasting is not wise. If you are unsure, then you should just consult a, a doctor on that. But for many of us, we can fast from food at least a little bit. And the emphasis I would put is on food. We should drink water. You can drink as many liquids as you want. So when you think about fasting, you, you'd kind of decide how, how, what's the intensity and the duration that you want for the fast. So if I don't, if I don't have any other fluids except water, if I don't drink my caffeine, if I don't drink, you know, ju- I just have water, that will be a more intense fast. Now, I might just do a water fast by eating breakfast, only having water until supper time. That would be, there would be a little more intensity to that, but it wouldn't be as much of a duration. On the other hand, I might fast for two days, and I might drink juice. I might even have a protein shake once each day. I might, do, might have more liquids that come in, so it's not quite as intense, but there's a longer duration. You just decide. You just decide what, what would be best for you. But the idea is you set aside eating food for a while, and you do it for spiritual purposes. And so what makes it spiritual purposes, you fill in the blanks a little bit with how you can focus on God. Maybe it's by setting aside the lunchtime to pray or to read your Bible. Maybe it's putting worship music on. But somehow, it's not just not eating. That is a big part of it. But there's also, so how am I going to try to focus on God more? Even though sometimes that's pretty hard because you're thinking about food more. But that's okay. That's part of learning to fast. And that's one of the, the things that I'm really trying to emphasize is we're just learning to fast. So you try Sometimes you do well, sometimes it doesn't work, but we're learning. What I want to encourage people is to learn to fast, and it will help us to move forward spiritually, which is what I want to get to today. So the last two weeks, sometimes those kind of fasts can be like sort of one-time hits, especially when you're in a crisis. Like, okay, we're all going to fast for a day, and then we're going to go back to normal. Today I want to talk about fasting as a discipline for growing uh, in spiritual maturity. Now, I, this morning I was kind of reviewing what I've got in these slides, and I thought, well, that doesn't sound very good. Discipline for spiritual maturity. Like I think like a lot of people, I say, no thanks. So what we're going to do is go through the, that. Those probably aren't the, it's a good way to summarize it in sort of churchy language, but maybe uh, hopefully as we go through the Bible passages, the idea is more like freedom in life compared to being bound up. Doing a practice, a habit that shifts things so that there's more freedom in life and there's less being bound up and and causing issues around you, okay? So we are going to look at four passages this morning, and I'm not going to do tons of comment on them uh, in terms of going through in the specifics, but I want to see 
there's a theme that's found in a lot of spots in the Bible, and so I want to look at multiple passages so that you can see. This isn't just like one idea that is picked out randomly in the Bible. This is something that is reinforced over and over again, and I'm going to pick four, four examples of it. So, first one will be from Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. It says this, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, the first thing that brought this passage to mind for me in relation to fasting is their God is their stomach. Their God is their stomach. Fasting helps us so that our God is not our stomach. Now, broadly speaking, what this means goes beyond just food. It goes into our appetites, our desires, that we aren't um, living for our desires being fulfilled, our pleasures being fulfilled, and that can include food and drink. That can be a big part of what <clears throat> excuse me, motivates us, of what we live for, of what ends up having a hold over us, like we can't live without doing it. So that is, that is part of, of what's going on. What's interesting about this passage is at the beginning, there's just a big contrast. At the beginning, it talks about they're enemies of the cross. I mean, lots of us don't consider ourselves enemies of the cross. I mean, that sounds bad. Their destiny is destruction. And then by the end of those verses, it talks about our glorious transformation of our bodies. Like these, what we have right now, these are just kind of lowly. We're going to get glorious, supernatural bodies that it lasts forever. That's, now, there's one thing that's going everlasting, transformed body. The other is going destruction. And right in the middle, it says, their mind is on earthly things. That is what shows which trajectory you're on. Are you a citizen in heaven? You're thinking about heaven, or your mind is on earthly things? There's this contrast. So in the next few passages I talk about, there's an idea that is being referenced, and they use different language, even though they're talking about pretty much the same thing. And it has to do with this idea that we can be uh, operating by, motivated by, uh, living by our flesh, is one of the ways the Bible talks about it, or by the spirit. Now, when you, you think flesh and spirit, it's like, what I think of is material You know, material, physical, versus non-material, in the air, atmosphere, spiritual. As if material would be bad, but the spiritual would be good. That's not actually what it means. So, in English, we have three words, or three meanings for like the word squash. You know, when I'm talking about squash, I could be talking about, I squashed a bug, I smashed a bug down. Or I could be talking about, I eat a vegetable. Which is very different than smashing a thing down. Or I could be talking about, I play this really weird game that's kind of a combination of croquet 
and baseball and you wear funny pants and, you know, which is very different than, than smashing or the vegetable. We use the same word squash. In Greek, there's a word that we translate flesh. Flesh could be like my body, my skin, flesh. Or another one of the meanings for flesh could be like the part of us that naturally does the opposite of what God wants, our flesh. When the Bible's talking about flesh in, in those circumstances, it's talking about like we have two operating systems. We have an operating system that guides our life, and it guides our life in a way of going against God, and it's very motivated by pleasure, by, by taking care of ourselves, by, by focusing on us, compared to an operating system that would be moved by the Spirit of God, that would be guided by the Spirit of God, that would live according to the things of the Spirit of God. And, you know, just, just to think about this, um, there are some decisions we make where we think hard about it. Am I going to do good or am I going to do bad? I can think about it and I make the choice. But there's many, many things we do in life without even thinking. Right? So if I'm driving to some city I've never been in to find a place, I've got to figure out the GPS, I'm thinking about every turn, right? If I'm driving from home to here, I, could, I can get here and I don't even know, I haven't even thought about making a turn. In fact, if I'm supposed to have, you know, drop the kids off first, they'll say, Dad, Dad, you're supposed to turn here because my body is like on autopilot. My body does things without my mind even telling it to because it's so trained. The operating system is so trained that I don't even have to think about it. I just drive there. Well, we have operating systems that tell us, here's how I'm going to respond to people. Here's how I'm going to respond when, when I don't get my way. Here's how I'm going to respond when I think somebody might be saying something bad about me. Here's how I'm going to respond when the M&Ms are on the counter. Like, I'm not thinking about whether I want to eat those things or not. It's just I'm so used to doing it. If they're there, I'm eating them. That we have all of this, the operating system of the flesh, compared to the operating system of the spirit. In these three passages I'm going to look at, you're going to see, like, here are these two opposing ways of living. And, and, and the Bible is encouraging us into one of them. So the first one I want to look at is from Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 through 24, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So there are three or maybe four ideas here, and this gets into the, operate, the operating system of the flesh. So the operating system of the flesh does not have sensitivity. I mean, I don't know if you've been around people who something really bad has happened for another person, but this person is so in their own world that something little, that's all they want to think about and talk about. They just have no sensitivity for what's happening around them. I don't know if you are one of those people, you kind of discover it like, oh, if someone will point it out to you. That's how I discover it, about me. Or sensuality, or greed, or having to get your own way, or the material thing. These are, these are parts of the operating system of the flesh. Verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off 
your old self, or your flesh, or that operating system, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. From here in Ephesians, it's going to go on to talk about specific examples, like lying, like um, stealing, like how we talk about people, like anger and, and bitterness and those things, and how we talk, or the good things. we. So that's what it'll go on to. I'm going to look at two more passages, though, where we see the fuller picture. The next one is from Colossians chapter 3. This is a little bit longer, but I want you to hear what the Bible has to say and just be thinking about it for yourself. So I'm going to go a little more slowly as I read than I normally do. Sometimes I read quickly when we're going through lots of Scripture. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, uh, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, the flesh, that operating system which is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So a lot about what the operating system of that's not good, and it's saying get rid of it, put it off, put it to death. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, big contrast there. There are these things that are part of our operating system that come natural to us, that we're drawn to, even if we know they're not good. And, and, those, and sometimes the more we do them, the more we, they, we don't even realize they're not good. And those things we're supposed to put off, get rid of, put to death, compared to clothing ourselves with the good, putting on the good. Okay, one more 
passage from Galatians, chapter 5. By the way, if you're going to spend some time with just one passage for a while, what I just read, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, or this passage, Galatians 5, 13 through 26, these are two of these are two really good ones. So we're not going to cover all the details of it, but here we go. Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, that operating system. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If we can go back to verse 13 for just a, a second. So the opposite of indulging your flesh of feeding the operating system that does things contrary to God, the opposite of that, according to this, is loving someone else. See, when we indulge our desires, our flesh, when that becomes ultimate, usually something has to get sacrificed to keep us getting these pleasures that we need to keep feeling good. And it's usually other people. Compared to love is setting aside things, they may be good things. It's not bad to desire them. But it's just the order of the desire. If we don't have God first and people second, and then we gradually get to the gifts of God that he gives us to enjoy, it all gets messed up. Compared to, I think I made my point, but I, so I'm just going to keep going. Verse 15. Here it is. If you bite and devour each other, why? Because I want what you have. Because you're not getting me what I want. Because you're not meeting my needs. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it starts with that... Jesus, if we went even further to chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Christ set us free so we could be free. He just wants us to be free. But we're free to love. We're free to love. And so we get, we, we get rid of, we put down the things that control us, the desires, the, the passions that are not, not from God or at least not ordered right, that we put too high. Now, in our world, that seems the opposite. Because the message of our world constantly is, we need to do what we want. We should get what we want. We're entitled to what we want. Like that's the most important thing in life is to be happy, to figure out how to be happy. And so that means getting what I want. That means often how we actually do it subconsciously, that means I indulge myself. 
I have pleasures. But you do that, and you are not going to love. I really enjoy golf. Really enjoy golf. But even before I had back issues, I stopped golfing. Even though I had a desire to golf, I golf very, very little. Because I have a growing family, and I needed to set that aside to give them attention. That's just, there's all kinds of examples where we set aside what would make me feel good right now, what would be the most make me the happiest right now. We, that feels like, don't constrain me. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what I can't do. But in actuality, what happens is we become so self-focused that there's no love, and it doesn't flow. And then we need to have those things, and we're crabby if we don't get those things instead of getting much lesser things and enjoying them. So, there's something about all of this that's really helpful to know, and that is willpower alone usually falls short of making this happen, of changing operating systems. It's so common to us, so natural to us, so our body has literally done this out of habit, some of these things, some of our responses, that I can know that I will go passive-aggressive, that I'll go silent treatment when I don't get my... I can know that, and I still do it. How am I going to change these parts of me that I'm like, oh, I tried and I can't? And what the Bible gives us is practices that we can choose to do that actually help rewire us, that actually help move us into the operating system, that actually invite God's spirit to change our operating system. And one of those practices is fasting. So I'm going to talk more specifically about this next week and, and maybe even in January 2nd, even though we're starting a new sermon series, I'm going to talk about it for a little bit. Just, I am going to encourage Many of you to consider, in 2022, will you try for a period of time, for several months, to fast once a week? Maybe it's just a meal. Maybe it's morning to night. Maybe it's 24 hours a day. I'm not looking for big, long fasts, but the practice, the discipline of fasting from food once a week. Why? Because it will help us to know we don't get what we want, and we're still okay. There's a pastor, uh, John Mark Comer in Portland, and he talks a lot about these issues in his newest book, and he does spiritual direction for, for some, some young men, and he often, usually, encourages them to try for a period of time fasting once a week. And what he's found is that he will say something like, um, so you've been fasting for five or six weeks? Yeah. Are you looking at pornography as much as you used to? No. He didn't tell them, hey, fast so you don't look at pornography more. But there is something in our bodies that in this practice, when we say we are going to deny ourselves, we're not just going to get what we want, and our bodies experience that. And then we focus on spiritual purposes, God gets help, and he starts to break other patterns in our life, other addictions in our life. If I just focus on this thing, I just keep coming back to it. And, and often it's more complex than that. But this is a big help, a big tool, where I'm not just focusing on, I'm not going to do that. I said I wasn't going to have another drink. I'm not going to have another drink. Well, I'm not eating anything for a day. 
I'm not getting what I want for a day, and I'm okay. Now, the first day, I might not feel okay. The second week, I might not feel okay. But after I do this for a while, I realize, like, I'm not just okay. In some ways, I'm better. That's unexpected. That's what the discipline of fasting can do. The discipline of fasting can, over time, we start shifting operating systems. Now, along with that, fasting is something that we don't do as much of, but what do we put in its place? Well, I really want to encourage you, again, for 2022, I want to encourage you, if you are not already have a spiritual community or a community that is helping you grow for a period of time, will you do one of the things that Aubrey was talking about that she offered? You know, if you're brand new, will you do Exploring Faith, which could be, we've, we've talked about renaming it maybe to like making connections or something like that, because that's part of what it does, even if you already have some level of faith. Now, if you don't, you can grow in this way, but would you do that for a period of time? Meet with someone else. Would you join a group? Like the, the Richard Foster one, like the, the um, one about learning how to do a quiet time for a few weeks, would you do that? What that would mean is that you are you're setting aside some time to get together with other people and talk about God, hear about God, pray about God, share life together. Now, there are some of us, maybe many of us in this room, who are like, I can give up lunch. I'll give up lunch once a week. I ain't giving up a night. I'm not giving up a night to come back to church, to run around with people. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just not doing that. No. So what are you going to do instead? Do you know what I'll do instead? Because I know when I, do, when I have things on my calendar and I come here and I, I do it, I'll probably be just spend a lot more time looking at this. You know, for one hour or whatever, hour, hour and a half, it depends which, I might not look at this as much. Somebody's texting me from the back. I think I, oh, that was an hour ago. Never mind. <laughs> Something important's probably been missed this morning. Uh, so, you know, I'll probably, I'll just look through this and like half hour will go by and I'll, 45 minutes will go by or it'll go by, like it'll do it like 10 times throughout the evening. And I won't even know how much time I put into this. And I'll think, I don't have time to give one hour or hour and a half to coming to church on a Wednesday night because I'm busy. See? I'm busy. Or my TV set or whatever. And so what happens is I could say, like, I need to spend less time looking at this thing. And if it's just willpower, I'm not going to look at it as much. Eh, I don't do good. But if I can't look at it because it's in my pocket because I'm with a group of people and because we're there for an hour once a week, then I've just done that. I've just looked at this less than I would have, or at the TV less than I would have. That's the idea of using this discipline, and, the, and that helps rewire some things in our operating systems. Now, the biggest one I want to encourage right now is going through freedom. If you haven't gone through freedom, I really want to encourage you to go through freedom, and we, we need to know that before Christmas time so we can get it figured out and be organized. I could get up here or I could stay up here. I guess I am up here. I could keep talking about that, but you probably aren't going to listen to me if you haven't decided to do that already. But you might listen to a few of the people that went through it this last time. So we're going to watch a video and listen to their experience of freedom. 
um, since the fall of 2018. Uh, my name is Chris Nichols and I've been attending Celebrate for about two and a half, three years. My name is Isaac Short. Um, we've been going here about, I think, four or five years now. I think closer to five now. So what hesitations, if any, did you have about signing up for the Freedom class? Uh, that was a, a question I found pretty easy to answer um, when, when Aubrey sent out the, the questionnaire. You know, um, I wasn't sure that I was worthy or that I was far enough along in my faith journey. I was afraid that uh, I would get in the class and people would be a lot further along than what I am in terms of following Jesus Christ. You know, it was just the season of life I was going through, but I was kind of like, you know what, I'm, I'm busy. I don't got time for that. We have a kid coming here in the next month. I just need to enjoy the time, maybe you know, at home and not do anything else in that. My one and only really hesitation uh, with signing up for freedom was just the time commitment that it probably would entail. I quickly learned, you know, when I got into the class that there were people in all different steps of their, of their faith journey. Um, people that were a long ways down the path and some that were just starting like myself. Of course, the reminders of church, the reminders of emails and texts from former Bible studies kind of reminding us coming up. And one day I think God just clicked, he's like, you need to do it. So I signed up and then my wife signed up. Um, I kind of reconciled that with there's, you know, never going to be the perfect time or a season in my life where I just have nothing, you know, going on to solely devote to that. So. Yeah, I just decided to jump in. So tell us why other people, like in congregations watching this on Sunday, like why should they take the class? Yeah, I mean, the name kind of says it all, Freedom. Um, the course just really navigates a lot of, a lot of ways we maybe aren't walking and living in freedom. Um, and I think it really just helps us remember or learn for the first time just how truly and deeply God loves us. I didn't know what to expect out of this class, and I got way more than I thought I would, which is always a great feeling to get. Um, and it's always good, I think, to be close to with other followers as well, to help build your faith. I think that's a, a big component of doing it. You know, I'm a lifelong learner in everything that I do. And I mean, at work, at home. Um, this is just one more opportunity to, to learn it happens to be about Jesus Christ and about your faith and about the tree of life and obviously freedom. Um, but it's, it's, it's just growing as an adult, it's learning. Um, and probably some of the most usable um, later in life learned information that I've ever taken in. Something that I can practice every day and have an effect on myself and my family and a lot of people around me. So what would you say was the most impactful thing about the freedom journey for you? Um, clearly the event day, you know, the freedom day um, was impactful. I'd never prayed man to man, one to one with anyone ever in my life. Um, and the feeling that you get for that and the, the charging of your batteries to want to live in faith um, was amazing to me. So I would say that was most memorable. Although the classes were fun and the, the fellowship with, with the guys in my group and um, the, what they were able to share with me about their faith and their journey uh, was probably a close second. So I'll, I'll never forget that encounter. Um, so emotional that day. Um, the prayer, the worship, the speakers. Um, God was so present that day and I got so much out of that um, that I didn't expect. I just think it's a great course. Um, it's just so all-encompassing, all of the different 
uh, parts of it, you know, the book, the getting to connect in community with people from Celebrate, um, and the freedom retreat at the very end where just like every facet of the course is just so perfect. Anything else you want to say about it? Enjoy. I think everyone and anyone should take it. <laughs> I think if you're on the fence about of you know signing up for the class, um, there's plenty to learn. You, you don't have to be um, maybe as far along in your journey. Um, you just really got to have the desire to, to want to see Jesus Christ. That's it, um, and it's it's well worth it. About a third of the group that went through it uh, gathered the week after it was all done, and. I so wish we had a video camera that night. As many people shared the impact of freedom on them. Last night, Camille and I were with some friends. One of them's on staff at Third Church. And Third had a couple of groups that went through freedom. And then they sent them to our event here uh, to go through the, the event for the, the day that it culminates in. And one of the guys had told them that when he was, he was coming here, he could not believe he was coming here. He was giving up hunting and watching the Hawkeyes to go to a church thing. I mean, you, I mean, you, could, the, the, you could feel the bitterness, you know, the disgust in his mouth that, that he would do that. And he told them, I, would, I can't believe I even questioned it. There's no way I would not show up for that thing after having experienced it to watch football or go hunting. Now, in that group setting... Rhonda Van Reith, that I was talking about, where, where the people from Celebrate were talking, Rhonda Van Reith said something that really stuck with me. She said, I enjoyed coming, Steve and I, her husband, Stephen, they enjoyed coming to Celebrate and attending Celebrate. They liked the Sundays. But when she got in a group, I think it was How to Pray or How to Read the Bible group that we were doing at that point, when, that's when I felt like I became part of Celebrate. That's when I got to know other people and celebrate. And now Steve has, been, uh, had, has had a long journey with cancer. And with tears in her eyes, she described how she gets contacted, texts, calls every day as he's been going through that from the people that were in that group several years ago. That's how we connect. And so I want to encourage you for a couple things. I want to encourage you to fast, try fasting this week. We're doing upper room one more time before a break from the holidays on Wednesday night at 6.30. Maybe you fast that day and come to that, or the building will be open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Wednesday, or however you want to do it. But just maybe try it. But the bigger thing that I want you to consider is will you do something this fall? Will you do freedom? Will you, if you're a high school student, start coming to youth group regularly? Will you do one of the other groups? If you don't know what to do yet, just say, I'm interested, and then we can navigate what would be the best for you. We can talk with you about what would be the best for you. But if there's a little like, yeah, I should be doing that, that's probably the God operating system. You may want to lean into that now, before you get home and the football games start. Because the football games, and I love football, typically tap into the other operating system. You know, go watch six hours of football. 
I don't know about giving up a night. I have the worship team come up. And just to be clear, this isn't in contrast to the 12 weeks or 11 weeks or whatever we talked about Jesus' heart. His heart is always for us. It's not like if I don't fast, he's, oh man, well, they don't fast. The guy always ate. Actually, they were always picking on him. Why doesn't he fast? His heart is for us, but he gives us these things to help us grow and become free. And when we lean into and trust his way, that's when we meet him in a way we wouldn't otherwise. So let's pray together. God, what do you want? That's what's most important. And so would you make it clear to us? Would you make it clear the kinds of practices or commitments that would help us to lean into the operating system? And we just acknowledge we, we are stuck, we fall short, we're addicted, we're numb, and we need help. We need help that's beyond us. So would you send that help? We want to offer ourselves to you, and we ask that you'd lead us as we do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.